Well, howdy. I invite you to turn to 2 Timothy. We're going to be studying the life of Timothy today as we continue on in our founder series of New Testament leaders. So as we do that, uh, there we go, 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7. And if I haven't met you, my name's Brad Evans, and I um, am honored to be able to speak with you today. Several of us are giving Brian a break. He will be back next week, I understand. So there's hope. Uh, Brian will be back. But um, it truly is an honor to be with you. Uh, if I haven't met you, we've actually been at Grace this summer. It'll be 20 years. It's hard to believe that much time has gone by. But what an honor it is to serve in a church uh, where Jesus Christ is lifted up and the gospel is shared and disciples are made and we just, we just absolutely love it here. What a, what a privilege it is. So I do family ministry, care ministry, a lot of things behind the scenes, so I'm not here on the stage as often, but uh, if I hadn't met you, I'd love to. And I'd like to introduce you to my family. We had an awesome vacation um, week before last. Um, you know, we, kind of, we, we, we struggled a little bit. We, we had to go to Colorado and uh, suffer uh, there. Yes, it was nice and beautiful and snowy and 30 degrees in the morning, made a fire and get the cup of coffee and it was awesome. So that's my wife, Susan. We've been married this coming year will be 32 years and our daughter, Rachel, member of the Fighting Aggie class of 17. There you go. A few of you know what to do there. So uh, she works in Houston and our son, Andrew's going to Letourneau. He's in the aviation program, wants to be a pilot. So, you know, you look at this and you kind of go, oh, yeah, Christmas card. What's your family really like? So that's really us. That's who we are. We're, um, they say that's my uh, goober face. But uh, we're the Evans, and we're glad to be here today. And so what we're going to do is begin with asking the question, who was Timothy? Uh, we're going to be in 2 Timothy. And so hold your place there, and I'd like for you to turn back to Acts chapter 16. Let's look at Acts chapter 16, because we're going to find out how Paul met Timothy on his second missionary journey, but he may have met him on his first missionary journey. As you know, the Apostle Paul is the Apostle to the Gentiles. The church sent him out, and he went on three uh, missionary journeys. His last one, his fourth, was on his way to Rome uh, where he ended up in a dungeon and is actually writing this letter from a dungeon in Rome in 67 AD. But in Acts chapter 16, we pick up on Paul's second missionary journey, and we're going to see that he's going to meet a young man named Timothy, and he's going to ask him to go with him, and Paul's going to disciple him. So in Acts chapter 16, we read that Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy. So one of the things we learn is, uh, let me click this, he's from Lystra, this is in Turkey, and Paul made at least two trips to Lystra, and a church was founded. Again, he may have led Timothy to Christ, or he may have come to know Christ later, but we find out that Timothy is a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, a learner, and this was noted. He was also noted that he was the son of a Jewish woman and a Greek man, which is going to present a complexity that Paul's going to deal with here in just a moment. But he was a man of good reputation. Paul noticed this, and so he asked him to join him on, his, on the second missionary journey. Verse 2, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him. What an honor to be asked by the Apostle Paul to join with 
him in his missionary journey and planting churches and just to be able to hang out with Paul around the campfire and, and watch him, watch God do miracles through him and watch him share the gospel with power and see people come to Christ. Wouldn't that have been incredible? Well, Timothy got to do this and a lot of Paul rubbed off on Timothy. That's what discipleship's all about. It's life on life, imparting our lives to other people with genuineness, with authenticity, out of relationship, we invest in others. And that's what ends up happening here. So he's well spoken of. Uh, Paul wanted this man to go with him. He took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in these parts, for they all knew that his father was Greek. He didn't want this uh, to be a stumbling block, so he uh, circumcised Timothy. So uh, I don't know about you, but that that's shows some commitment right there for Timothy to be willing to do that as a grown man, you know? Um, so sorry about that. Okay, so let's uh, keep going here as we look at Timothy and we learn more about his life. Um, he was... Uh, strong, there was a strong discipleship relationship, as I've mentioned, uh, very intentional, very powerful. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and let me just mention here, three pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, they were written to instruct the church, written to pastors on how to pastor the church, how the church should conduct itself, um, how, what about leaders, what are the priorities, how to keep the main thing, the main thing, which is disciple making. And so in First Timothy, we see that Timothy was chosen to pastor the church in Ephesus. Now, this is a real honor because Paul spent three years in Ephesus, and at his departure in Ephesus, uh, at, towards the end of his second missionary journey, he gathered the elders together and they shed tears because of Paul's departure, because he had invested his life in them. And that's the way it ought to be. You know, when we grow close to people, that really shows how much we care and love one another. And tears were shed. And this was a strategic uh, church in a port city. And so Paul asked his disciple Timothy, he was young, he said, Timothy, I believe in you. I want you to, be, I want you to pastor this church. So what an honor for Paul to ask him, but it was also a real challenge for this young pastor because in Ephesus, there's Temple Diana, there's all kinds of uh, idolatry and pagan religions, and Timothy was presented as a young pastor with a lot of challenges. So that's one of the reasons Paul's writing him is to encourage him to be faithful. And so some things that we're going to see as we look at Timothy's like, life, what was he like? He was young. In fact, he says, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on your youth, 1 Timothy. Uh, he lacked experience. Uh, he was fearful. He was called timid, timid Timothy. Um, uh, that's one way to interpret a passage we're going to look at in a minute. Yet he was faithful when he was placed in a challenging leadership role at Ephesus. So that's Timothy. We're going to learn more about him as we study in uh, 2 Timothy. And so let's look at the setting as I mentioned, Paul was in prison in Rome. Uh, this was not a happy place. Uh, in his earlier prison epistles, he was under house arrest. But when he wrote 2 Timothy, he was in a cold, dark dungeon. Paul was at the end of his life. So if you could imagine you're in a foreign country, you know your life is coming to an end. In fact, church tradition has it that Paul was beheaded on the Ostian Way shortly after he wrote this letter. So this is your last will and testament. Who would you write to and what would you say? That's what 2 Timothy is all about. He's intentionally 
choosing someone, Timothy, who he knows is going to carry on the things that he's taught him and he's going to remind him to fan the flames of faithfulness, to keep going, to not give up. And we all need to be encouraged like that, don't we, from time to time because life is tough and things happen. We live in a fallen, broken world. And so this letter, which was written to Timothy, but became a circular letter throughout all of the churches and is included in our Bible today, is also written to us. So Paul in prison, he's suffering hardship. He's not having a fun time. He even asked Timothy to bring his cloak, come before winter. He's cold. He knows what's coming. He talks about people that have deserted him. But he writes to his faithful disciple, Timothy. It's written about 67 AD. And as I mentioned, it's his last letter to his beloved disciple. He writes to encourage Timothy and writes to us today to be courageous, to be faithful, to withstand false doctrine, and to make disciples who will make disciples. Spiritual multiplication is woven all throughout Paul's letter, his last will and testament to Timothy. Because what, I mean, we're here today because Timothy and others were faithful. I mean, think about it. Who told you about Jesus? Who has invested in you? Who has poured into you? God has used people to invest in people. That's his plan. When Jesus went away, he didn't have any other plan. There's one plan. He said, all authority on heaven and er- in, in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he challenged them with an imperative. Not if you're going, while you're going, make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And guess what? I'll be with you always until the end of the age, until I come back. And that's the commission to us, church. This is what we're about. We're to be making disciples who make disciples. To continue on what Paul did with Timothy and others and others. And in 2 Timothy 2, 2, he instructs Timothy, You, my son, be strong in the graces in Christ Jesus. And the things that I have entrusted to you, you take those and you make it, literally make a deposit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So this theme of discipleship is powerfully woven through Second Timothy. So I want to use an illustration of these shoes. Uh, I'm probably the last person to understand cool shoes. So I had my family help me pick this out. I, I understand this is like some kind of a car or van or some, some kind of representative here. But uh, we're going to think about making shoes. So just imagine that you want to go into the shoe making business. So you uh, have this idea and you just uh, think about some of these incredible shoes that you would like to sell and market throughout the world. So you get some other people to, to join you. You get a group of investors to help fund this project and uh, you buy some land because you're going to need a factory. You build a building and you start hiring employees and you start doing some research and development and try to figure out what's really going to sell, what do people want. And you buy raw materials, you know, you get what goes into this, I don't know, plastic and canvas and laces and rubber and all, all the insoles. You start getting raw materials to make shoes for your factory. And you're about ready to make shoes, but you go, I'm not sure we've got this really figured out yet. Let's kind of back up. Let's hire this think tank to come in and consult with us. And so we can really make sure we're getting this off the ground right. So you spend the next year 
rethinking this whole process and, and oh, now we need more investors and now we need, we need committees on shoelaces and we need committees on insoles and we need committees on uh, all kinds of things and we need uh, HR department and we need to restructure everything and we're still not quite ready, so let's just back up and we'll, we'll start this whole process over again and you see what's happening here. After several years go by, you haven't made a single shoe. Are you a successful shoe factory? If you've never made a single shoe, the answer is no, you're not. The purpose of this whole business is to produce shoes. Where am I going with this? What's the purpose of the church? To go and make disciples. That's our product. Those are our shoes, so to speak. That's the Great Commission. This is what we're about. This is why I love being at Grace Bible Church. You hear Brian preach on it. We just had a conference last January uh, on discipleship. I'm going to refer back to that in a little bit. This is what we are to be about. And the sad thing is, and I'm not trying to throw stones, it's just a sad, sad reality. Many churches, many, many, maybe even most churches, are not making disciples they got all the committees, they got all the stuff going, they got the budget, they got the building, they got all those things and a lot of happenings, but they're not making disciples. Who make disciples? Who share the good news of Jesus Christ to others to reach the world for Jesus Christ? This is the main thing. And as Grace Bible Church, we're to keep the main thing the main thing and make disciples. Until the whole world knows and Jesus returns. So how do we do it? How do we impact others? Let's go back to 2 Timothy. And we're going to spend the rest of our time here looking at what did Paul actually do. And he's going to do several things here as he writes to Timothy. And he instructs him. But I want you to imagine somebody. Pick somebody in your mind that you can apply this with. As we think about impacting others. If you're a mom or a dad, you can think about your kids. How, how might I impact them or disciple them? Um, you can think about your spouse. You can think about someone you know. You can think about somebody that maybe not as quite far along in, in the faith as you are. But get somebody in your mind that you want to apply these principles because we're about to walk through some practical steps that Paul does with Timothy that we can all apply in relating to others. Again, discipleship is about relationships. So let's begin here. First, we want to connect with them. We, we need an authentic relationship. So as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, we read, Paul's going to say, He's an apostle of Christ Jesus, and he's writing this by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. There's no life in any other place. He is our source, the giver of life, the giver of eternal life is Jesus Christ. And he writes to Timothy, my beloved son. So you could say the first verse is a return address, and the verse 2 is where he's sending it. He's sending it to Timothy. So as we think about impacting others, there has to be a connection. We have to have a relationship. Paul is writing to Timothy, where previously he'd spent a lot of time. He had a lot of capital and and built up, relational capital. Where Timothy, imagine Timothy in Ephesus, where he's struggling as a young pastor, getting this letter and going, Oh my gosh, Paul, on this parchment written in Greek, and he unrolls it. 
Just imagine what that would have been like for him to hear from his mentor, his discipler, the Apostle Paul. And you know, we can do this. We can communicate with others. Uh, I know there's a lot of means today. There's email. Uh, my kids do, I don't know, what's it called? Face, some Facebook and Instagram. There's these means. You know, you can, you can get things out there. But did you know Apple just came out with a brand new product? Okay, here's the big reveal. It's called a letter. New product. A letter. Got a letter. Wow. Somebody wrote me a note. I can open up. I can read it. Somebody has my... Dear Brad. Wow! A letter. Okay, I know I'm being kind of silly. But this is a great tool to use. And if you're under 35, pick this up and try it sometime. It's amazing. Communicate with people. Let them know. And we're going to see about what. But connect with them. So as we thought about that person we want to connect with, you could jot them a letter, an email. You could thank them. I thought this week, I thought of Ford Madison who invested in me. He used to sit right back over here. And he's with his family in Dallas now. And I called him. It's so rich, so awesome to thank him for pouring into my life and catch up with how he's doing. So... Connect with people. We need to have genuine, authentic community in the body of Christ. We all need this. Connect with them. What else does Paul do? Well, he's going to tell him he loves him in a, in a very unique way here. To Timothy, my beloved son. In chapter 2, verse 2, he says, You therefore, my son. In 1 Timothy, chapter 1, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. So he describes Timothy in a very beautifully intimate way. To Timothy, my beloved son. Now, that word beloved is a form of the Greek word agape. Agape love. That's the divine love. In Greek literature, there's four different types of love. Actually, three in the Bible. There's eros, the erotic form of love. There's phileo, friendship love. But then there's agape. Agape is the divine love that we receive from God himself. Because God loved us first. And we receive his love through Jesus Christ. For God so agape the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So the only way that we can love others through This divine agape love is to first receive God's love into our own lives. But God demonstrated his love towards us. And that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. God agape, he demonstrated his love because love is action. God demonstrated his love towards us. And that's the beautiful thing. And if you have about how God initiates with us, and if you're here today and you've never received That free gift of eternal life that's made possible through simply believing in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, accepting his forgiveness of sins that he died on the cross for by saying, yes, thank you, I receive your grace. Thank you. And we become a child of God. And we become beloved to God. Isn't that wonderful, church? That's the good news of the gospel. How we become born again and we become part of the family of God. And we are beloved by God. And in this case, 
Paul wants Timothy to know the depth of their relationship to Timothy, my beloved son. So I want to ask you a question. I wonder who needs to hear from you that you love them? Who needs to hear from me? God has put people in our lives and we have relationships with people. And I don't know what it is. A lot of times we're kind of, we kind of hold back and we don't want to share feelings like that. There's some people in your life that need to hear that you love them. Our kids need to hear it. They need to hear it often. Dads, especially from us dads. I love you. Um, I never heard that from my dad. I tried to tell him I loved him, and he didn't hear that from his dad. But I thank God that three months before my dad passed away, he trusted Jesus Christ to be his Savior. He received the love of God. And I'm here to tell you, all those years went by, he was 84. All those years went by, I never heard him say he loved me. But once he became a believer in Jesus Christ, laying there in his hospice bed, I'd pull up a chair and sit next to him. And it just felt so good, so safe. He told me he loved me. Because now he had the love of God in him. And he said, I love you. He told me he's proud of me. He wanted me to take care of mom and and entrust things to me about the estate and I just felt I was just like I was blown away there are people in your lives that need to hear that you love them tell them tell them often give that blessing to your kids to others to people that you have invested in tell them you love them So connect with them. Tell them you love them. This is how to impact others. Also pray for them. This is powerful. Look at verse 3. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Wow. How How might that have impacted Timothy to hear Paul thanking God for him and telling him how he's praying for him, fervently praying for him night and day. One of the greatest ways we can impact others, one of the ways we can approach the throne of grace and intercede on behalf of others is to pray for them. And when we meet with people, when I'm discipling somebody, I keep a little journal and I I write down their prayer requests so I can pray for them and remember what what they've told me. And Paul's doing that for Timothy here. He's thanking God for them, for him, and he's praying for them. Another tip, if you're struggling in a relationship with somebody... If you're at odds with somebody, let's just use marriage, for example. Marriage, having struggles, having problems. We do. We struggle. Everybody struggles. That's just reality. We're struggling. If I can start thanking God for Susan and start thanking God for who she is in Christ, thanking God for things she does and just who she is, it's amazing what happens to my heart. All of a sudden it's like, what was I mad about? That was silly. When we thank God for other people, and we pray for them, God moves on our heart to bring about reconciliation and impact. It's, it's amazing what God can do. I mentioned Ford a little bit ago. I remember when we were meeting together, we, were meet, we would meet at Denny's for breakfast, and he would tell me how much he loved Barbara. he just gush. You know, they've been married 50, 60, I don't know. And he started a list late in life before she passed away, and he started a list of just writing down things that, he appreciated about her, things that he was thankful for. And before he left, he, was over, he had over 50 
50 items. And he'd keep that in the drawer by his bed. And he'd pull it out and read it and be reminded. And he said, every time I would get mad at her, I couldn't get past two or three before I'd forget about what I was mad about. That's good advice. Be thankful for people. Be thankful for what God has given us. Remember each other in our prayer. So being thankful and praying for them. Next, miss them. This is pretty cool. You think about Paul, you think about, man, this guy that was a church planner, you know, doorbuster downer, off he went, nothing can stop him, shipwrecked, whipped, he just kept going. Well, listen to this. This is tender. Verse 4, longing to see you, Timothy, even as I recall your tears so that I might be filled with joy. Even the Apostle Paul needed others. He needed Timothy. He was alone. He missed Timothy. He missed having someone who loved Jesus to come alongside him. And again, he asked for him to come and see him before winter. And he even talks about those who had deserted him. So Paul missed Timothy. And we need to have those type of relationships such that when we're away, when we're apart, we miss each other. I mean, if, if we don't miss each other, there's not much depth going on there, is it? Man, I, I miss my wife when I'm away from her. I miss her. And that's the way it's supposed to be. We should have those kind of relationships in the body of Christ. That when we haven't heard from somebody or, or, or we're away from somebody, there's a longing within us. We miss the connection that we had with them because what God has done in uniting our hearts together. Next, believe in them. So, again, this is under the context of discipleship, how to impact others. We need to connect. We need to tell them we love them. We need to pray for them. We need to miss them. And we want to believe in them. Verse 5, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. I am sure that it is in you. Paul's showing confidence in Timothy. He's reminding him of his spiritual heritage. This is a great Mother's Day message. And it's awesome to see how in Timothy's life, he had his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, and how they had passed their faith down from generation to generation to generation. Look at chapter 3, verse 15. Chapter 3, verse 15, Paul writes, And from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The, best, the very best place for discipleship to start and to happen is in the home. As parents, we disciple our children, and we teach them the Word of God. All Scripture is inspired by God, Paul goes on to write. But from childhood, Timothy was taught the Word of God by his family. That's beautiful. Paul's reminding him of his spiritual heritage. And he's reminding him that, Timothy, I believe in you. I have confidence in you. And you're in a tough situation. You may be discouraged. Things may not be going well. But go back to what is true about who you are and the others who have invested in you in your spiritual heritage. Paul believed in him. Have you ever had somebody just say, Chris, Chris, man, I believe in you. You can do it, right? Isn't that awesome when somebody does that to you and says, I believe you can do it. And maybe it's not because of you, but because what I see in you and that God has done. 
We need to do that. That's a huge part of impacting others. It's a big part of discipleship and believing in them that they'll be able to teach others also. Last, remind them of God's gifts and of God's truth. Let's look at verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh. Now, this is a really interesting verse. If you have the NIV, it says, fan into flames. Kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I'm not really sure what's happening here. Maybe this is at Timothy's ordination and Paul, you know, laying on of hands is symbolic and praying for somebody and and they sent them out on their missionary journey. I will tell you, this is not normative for today how we receive spiritual gifts. I don't think that's what he's referring to today. The moment we place our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells us and every one of us gets at least one, usually several, spiritual gifts. And how do we know what they are? Well, others remind us, others tell us. And they go, Matt, man, you're a real servant. I really see you serving faithfully in the body of Christ. And Matt goes, oh, well, maybe service. Well, wow, that just fanned into flames. That just helped uh, kindle afresh the gift of God that is already in me by hearing that. So church body, as we look at others and we see God using them, we need to encourage them. We need to fan into flames that what God has already begun in them so that they can continue on to do good works. It's tough out there in the world. We all get hammered. We get criticized. And that's why as the body of Christ, we come together to encourage one another. and Go, Randy, man, awesome. Way to go. And we can encourage each other in the body of Christ to use the gifts that God has given. Oh, when I hear you teach, man, you really, the word of God comes alive. Oh, wow. Thank you. No one's ever told me that before. Let's relate to each other this way. And again, in a context of discipleship, it's incredible to believe in somebody and to help them kindle afresh the gift of God which is in them. And then in verse 7, the second part of reminding them, he reminds Timothy of God's truth. He's going to do it first with a negative and then he's going to hit three positive. And what I love about this, he doesn't just say it to Timothy, for God has not given you a spirit. He said, God has not given us. Paul's including himself in this. He's saying, Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of timidity or of cowardice or fear. He hasn't given us this, but he has given us a spirit of power and love and discipline or sound mind. Timothy, I know it's hard in Ephesus. I know you're struggling. I put you there because I believed in you. You need to finish strong. Kindle afresh the gift that God has given you. But remember the power of God that lives within you. Acts 1.8, when Jesus gave to the disciples, he said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. The power, it's not us just working hard, self-effort. It's This is dependency upon the Holy Spirit. The power of God that lives within us. We're to be filled with the Spirit. We're to be empowered with the Spirit. And Paul is reminding Timothy, Timothy, God's not asking you to wimp out here. Depend on Him. Interesting here, it's the only time it appears in our New Testament. It could be self-discipline. Self-control, I kind of think he's referring to 
Uh, it can be translated also with a skillful living and wisdom. Use wisdom in living. Use self-discipline in how you live your lives. So Paul's reminding Timothy and he's reminding us where these are practical things that we can be doing that we not only need to hear from others, but that we can be passing on into the lives of others. Summary, how do we wrap this up? What do we do at Grace Bible Church? We help people find and follow Jesus. That's what we're about. It's another way of saying we accept the good news of Jesus Christ into our lives. We become believers, followers of Christ. And for the rest of our lives, we are on a journey to become more like Christ. But we're bringing others along with us. We're discipling our kids and our neighbors and our coworkers and and people at school and people that God has placed in our lives and 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 maybe through marriage ministry, and maybe on our home group, or maybe what, whatever role, men or women's ministry, or maybe it's one-on-one, we are helping people find and follow Jesus. This is what we're about. This is the shoe, the factory that we're producing, is to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Okay, so I'm from Missouri, and uh, these are Missouri mules. Missouri mules are amazing creatures. I grew up, my grandfather had mules, my uncle had mules, and so as a little boy, I learned to work with mules. G is right, haw is left. We'd harness them up, and they can plow. They're amazing animals. They're strong. They're actually, you know, you hear about stubborn. They're actually very intelligent. They just want to make sure that you know who's boss, okay? Now, how do you get a mule? So you get a mule by taking a horse and a donkey and breeding them together. The best mules come from, in Missouri, they've bred these throughout generations. And uh, Missouri is, again, famous for mules, hardworking animals, amazing creatures. But it's best if you have a female horse, a mare, and you breed that horse to a jack donkey. A jackass. A donkey, okay. You breed those two together, and you'll get a mule. And you train that mule up from once he's young, and you... Teach them how to harness them and how to make... They are amazing work animals. You can get so much work done with these mules. I love working with mules. There's one drawback to a mule. You know what it is? They're sterile. They work great. They do amazing things. But they can't reproduce. You know why? Because a horse has 64 chromosomes. A donkey has 62 And a mule has 63. They can't reproduce. They're sterile. We are not mules, church. Unfortunately, many of us think this way. We think, well, if I just get in here and I do good, and we're to use our gifts, we're to do good works. But we are to reproduce. We're to hitch that harness to the plow, do good works for God, but we're also to bring others along in the process and reproduce them. It doesn't matter if you're passing out bulletins, bring somebody along. It doesn't matter if you're going to the store and you got crying kids, bring somebody along and let them see what family's like. I mean, we bring other people along as we go through life and show them Jesus. That's what discipleship's all about. It can get complicated a lot of times. There's a lot of things out there. We're going to look at a couple of resources. But I'm telling you, if you want to meet with somebody and just say, how can I pray for you? So you're praying for them. Let's memorize a verse together. So you're memorizing scripture. 
And let's pray for somebody that doesn't know Jesus and look for an opportunity to go tell them about Jesus. You do those three things, you'll be an amazing discipler. And every one of you can do a lot more than you think you can. We went through the Essentials Pack, which was an absolutely phenomenal study to set up my uh, foundation in Christianity. At that point, I was still a little bit shaky on a lot of the basics of Genesis and and salvation and who Jesus was and how God operated. And reading through the Bible, not only cover to cover, but chronologically was, was a phenomenal way to tie all of that up. Being discipled has shown me that um, it's a, one of the most valuable tools that the church has uh, to reach people. Um, for example, myself, having been discipled here at Grace, I'm now fixing to go back to Calgary, Alberta, and uh, continue my education there. I'll be taking the skills that I've been taught here um, through discipleship and through men's Bible study and through grace itself, uh, taking those home with me to an area that's not as well reached. I have these moments of uh, God is trying to show me things and tell me something and I'm, I'm kind of deaf. And eventually I think he just kind of hits me on the back of the head and says, hey, listen up. Um, I've got an individual here who is willing to disciple you if you're willing to reach out and and ask. If God has put uh, discipleship on your mind, it's probably for a good reason. And there's probably an individual that you are near to at the moment who's willing to disciple you if you um, can identify them uh, with God's help and ask for that time. So that was Cameron Olson, and Cameron uh, came here as an international uh, student from Canada, uh, majoring in animal science. He got on the meat judging team, and in the meat judging team, a lady named Leslie, who goes to Grace, told him about Jesus. He trusted Christ, and she invited him to Grace. I got to baptize him right here, and as time went on, he was discipled. uh, Through a number of means, like he talked about, grew in his faith, ended up through Junction, meeting Rosie Dwight. I got to do his wedding right here. And then now they're up in Canada making disciples. That's the way the church functions. That's what we're all about. What a beautiful picture. And I wanted to capture a little bit of Cameron's story before he moved away. Making disciples who make disciples. That's the mission of the church. So applications. Who has impacted you? It's helpful to think back on who has impacted your life and what did they do? I also want to point out, we mentioned this, but discipleship is not optional. This is, this is not something that we just kind of sort of ought to do. This is who we are. This is the DNA of the church, is making disciples. We all need a Barnabas. I hadn't mentioned Barnabas, but he discipled Paul, and Paul then discipled Timothy. So who will you ask to invest in you? We all need somebody pouring into us, mentoring us, holding us accountable. Who will you ask to disciple you. Who will you ask to invest in your life? We also all need a Timothy, somebody that we can pass on what we're learning. So who will you invest in this week? We all need a Barnabas. We all need a Timothy. Uh, we had a prime conference, and I want to 
reflect back on that. In fact, what I want to ask you to do is to pull out your phones right now and go to this resource. I, I know some of you have already been looking on your phones. I've seen, I've been watching you. So, uh, but now I'm giving you permission and you're all on Bible apps. I know, but pull out your phone, uh, pull out your phone and on your browser, I want you to go to our website, grace-bible.org. Or if you don't have your phone, which there might be one person in here that doesn't take a picture of that. And you can go here later, go to grace-bible.org. Uh, on your phone, and then I want you to click resources. And then after you find resources, I want you to go down to the, well, it's actually going to come up at the, uh, you know, it's on the bottom, conference resources, but at the top, it's going to say Prime Conference 2019. So you're going to Grace Bible Church, grace-bible.org, you're going to resources, you're going to conference resources, and then you're going to Prime Conference 2019. This will take you back to what happened in January. It was phenomenal. It's unbelievable. Todd Wagner did our keynote speech talk. Uh, Brian spoke. Trey spoke. Zach spoke. We had several people. We got into practical skills of how to make disciples. There's incredible resources for us here, church. And so go to this website and um, I'm going to show you a, a quote. I just did a screenshot from what Todd Wagner said about his first ch- his first talk. Making disciples is the primary purpose of every Christ follower in every church. It's who we are and what we do. And he goes on to talk about his talk a little bit, that we're uh, not just to go to church, but we're to be the church, a chosen people proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, if you go to this, and, and if you're still on your phones, now what I want you to do is go down to the bottom of this prime conference, and you're going to see some resources that we have for you. There's the discipleship quick start. There's discovery Bible groups. Um, there's first steps leader guide, first step new believer follow up. There's an eight week discipleship guide that our college ministry put together. But the one I really want you to focus on is this first steps new believer. It's on it's on the right hand side there. First step new believer follow up. This is what it looks like. We only have a couple hard copies left. Uh, I imagine those folks in the first service snarfed them up, but um, you can look at this online. I want you to click on first step new believer follow-up. I know we come to church a lot of times and we go, yeah, that was good. And we, then we get on into a week and we go, now, now what, what did we talk about here? Church, I'm going to challenge you to make an application this morning. I'm going to challenge all of us this week to go through this material. All of us together go through first steps of a new believer. Maybe you're you're not even a believer and you want to check out what it means and it's going to explain to you the first steps are identity in Christ, who am I? Second, belonging, why where do I belong? Third, why am I here? Purpose in life. Awesome material. Our staff put this together. Let's all go through this not only for our own benefit, but then I want you to think about who am I going to pass this on to? Who am I going to meet with to go over this with? Could be your spouse, could be somebody you're in school with, could be one of your kids. The challenge is all of us to go through this this week. It's online and find it. You can print a paper copy if you want, but to go through it with someone. So earlier in the message, I was saying, think of somebody you want to apply this to. Maybe it's that person, or maybe all of a sudden you had an aha moment just now about somebody else that you'd like to meet with. But let's do this, church. Let's apply what we're talking about and make disciples. Let's grow in our own maturity, and let's pass that on to others. 
Now, I'm going to close in prayer here in just a moment. And uh, I'm going to do something that is a little bit crazy. So, hang with me. We were all challenged to go through this material. I'm going to close in prayer. And while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you believe that God is calling you, that God is preparing you, that God wants you to invest in somebody else, I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up while I'm closing in prayer. And then I'm going to ask the question, if you would like somebody to meet with you, to go through this material with you, or to mentor you, to disciple you, to begin pouring into you, that you want to grow in your relationship with Christ, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. We'll see what God does. And then afterwards, I don't want to do this in a legalistic way, but just if God is leading you to do this, I want those of you who are standing up to seek out anybody that has their hand raised and get their phone number. Let's meet up. Let's have coffee. Let's begin. Let's see what happens, okay? I I don't know how this is going to work. And if Nobody follows up with you. If, if nobody comes to you, then go to the Welcome Center. We've got people there that will try to help you take your next steps. Come down and talk to me. I'll help you find somebody. If you want to be discipled, if you want to grow in your faith, let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for uh, this Paul's letter to Timothy and just... Paul, in the end of his life, writing to his beloved disciple, what he communicates to him about how much he's praying for him and how he misses him and how he's uh, encouraging him and how he's believing in him and how he's exhorting him to fan the flames of of faithfulness in in the, the gift of God that he has given him and to remember the truth about who he is in Christ and 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 to recall um, how vital it is to make disciples and. And to stay true to the word of God and to beware of false doctrines and to preach the word and all the things that he exhorts Timothy to in, in this, this letter. Lord, right now, I don't know what you're doing in each heart. I just pray that we'll be receptive to you. And again, we don't want to do this in a legalistic way, but if people are um, sensing you, and, and I know this requires a step of boldness, but uh, to, to respond by saying, yes, I I'm willing, I'm, I'm ready to pour into somebody, to invest in somebody. Would you please have them stand? Would you please just give them the courage right where they are to stand up in our congregation? I'm willing to meet with somebody, to go over this material, to pour into somebody. Men meeting with men, women with women, or maybe you're just going to help somebody. Maybe you can't even. Maybe you're willing, but you're at capacity and you're going to help them find a, a home group or another, something like that. But you're willing to take responsibility for someone else's spiritual journey. Thank you. Now I want to ask you if God has stirred in you that I, I want to grow. I want to become more like Christ. I want, I want to meet with somebody to help me in this journey. I'm going to ask you to courageously raise your hand. I want somebody to meet with me. I want somebody to invest in me. I want somebody to get to know me, to pray for me, to, to love me like this is, I, I, I need that in my life. And really all of us should be raising our hands, to be honest, because we all need that kind of growth. Would you raise your hand? And some of us are standing and raising our hands because we need both. 
Father, thank you for the faithfulness and obedience of those who have responded to you. And if any are still wrestling with that right now, I want to give them the courage to either stand or to raise their hand. And as we uh, wrap up now, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for giving, uh, entrusting to us uh, this message of uh, the good news of Jesus and the great commission of making disciples of all nations. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so look around you. Match up. Meet up this week. Let's go through this together. Thanks for coming.